A beautiful call from Jason Kosminski. Uh, we've been fans long enough, Ryan, where we remember when he was doing the pregame show and wasn't even on the call yet. Jerry Schemmel out there. Uh, he went on to do baseball stuff, but he he would get lose his mind with the threes and not even great teams out there. So the long history of, of great radio announcers here and uh, obviously Hastings telling them to, to listen to the fans. And it was an amazing night, Ryan. And uh, we're going to get into it today. Welcome to the Blues for Brothers. I'm Kyle Poland, joined by my brother, Ryan Poland. Uh, we're fucking champions of the world, Ryan. Yes, we are. Sorry for the children, but that's the only way to say it. The fucking it is. It is. And it was unbelievable. So uh, where where do you want to start with the game? I, I mean, it was, I think everyone's kind of said it. It was not the most beautiful game. This was not the most typical Nuggets game, but... The point I haven't heard made, uh, probably because it would admit some fault from uh, a more national narrative, is this is the exact kind of game that people said the Nuggets couldn't win. They said, in the playoffs, it's going to get ugly. There's going to get refs who are going to let them foul the shit out of them, which they did. And they are going to be like, they're going to fold up in that. and They can't get enough stops in a row. And instead, their rotations... The intensity that they played with on that end was unbelievable, Ryan. And so, you know, what, what do you want to get into here? I'm, I'm willing to talk about any player on our roster, uh, any player on old rosters, the game, any of it. What, what stood out to you last night? Um, I guess let's start with the game, and then we can go more big picture of being a Nuggets fan. I think, like, I mean, obviously we were there, <clears throat> which explains our voices. Uh, so apologies. But the no apologies. The, well, yeah, I'm just sorry you have to listen to it. I'm not sorry. It's source. Uh, <laughs> yeah, forty five percent from the field, seventeen percent from three. We've got fifteen turnovers from the Nuggets, and they won the game. That is that's a testament to defense. Like you don't win a game with those numbers unless you're playing unbelievable defense on the other end. And yes, the heat missed some shots. Like everybody was missing shots that like, I think this was truly one of those finals games where everybody is just worn down. And it's a, it's obviously the highest intensity of the finals. Like I think everything got to both sides of um, the heat and the nuggets. I think the, I mean, (laughs) It's it's honestly it's a testament, and we were stressed at halftime and went for a little walkabout on the on the concourse. 
And I said to you, I think, I, basically, like, this is a regular season Nuggets game where we look like garbage for the first half and potentially some of the third quarter. And then you're um, you're totally fine. Like, the it's sort of just like the Nikola Jokic-ness of Nikola Jokic takes over the game and uh, you get to win a championship because he's just unbelievable. Yeah, it uh but what we said is uh 100% correct to paint the picture for people. Uh we were obviously losing our mind uh up there and uh the only thing that I will say there were some clear new blood um cuz we have some great season ticket holders who sit right in front of us. Um we've had some people who have been around us, but there was some new blood and you could tell there were some people who were just like they were expecting it to be easy and us to just kind of blow them out. And there was kind of some negativity, some grumbling, at least in our section. I don't know if that was uh, throughout the stadium. But it was just like, dude, it's an ugly game. Like, this is what the Heat do. Like, you don't beat Milwaukee, Boston. Like, I mean, you do probably beat New York. Uh, but those other two teams, uh, you don't beat them without an ability to ugly up the game, without an ability. You could tell Kyle Lowry was doing every Ugh. veteran trick he has learned over his 17 years, and it was both fascinating to watch and frustrating to watch as a Nuggets fan. Um, so, uh, you know, we had to kind of get away from that. We were out there, and like Ryan said, we said, hey, man, if this were a regular season game, we would be rushing to get as much money into our betting accounts and to fight the crappy service in Ball Arena to try to get bets in on the Nuggets because Jokic had nine and eight at halftime. And at this point, you can double team him. You can triple team him. You can put your best defender on him and your second best defender on him. Jokic is getting 25. That's just what it is in the playoffs, which means you're getting 16 from him in this second half. And it turned out, like you said, that was the difference. There was, it was a... Both teams had a really hard time generating good shots. And I think there's something, too, when both teams are playing such a high level of defense that even when you get an open look, you're not in rhythm because there's you know someone's flying at you quickly. You your Your legs are tired from fighting through all the screens, all the stuff on the other end. And it ended up being that Nikola Jokic went 12 of 16 from the field with the percentages that you outlined, he went one he was of the two only, from three. He was the only one of three. He was the only efficient. Um, oh, yeah, three-quarter court heave, I guess. Yeah. Cats guess <laughs> one of two on he real was, attempts, but yeah, he was the only like truly efficient scorer, and that's yeah. scary. Like it, when Jamal was talking, we talked a little bit about this before the game. When Jamal was talking pre-game about how Jokic, he feels like Jokic has levels to get to, I think this is what he's talking about. Because those shots, if you go back and watch Nikola's 12 makes, like I don't think any of them were really easy. There might be a couple where there were bunnies in there. But for the most part, he was just attacking double teams and going, you're still too small, even when you double me, to really affect my shot. Like He had one in the paint there that in the fourth quarter where he just turned into the double team and shot it over him. And you yep. like that, that sort of aggressiveness from Nicola, it's not that it doesn't exist on a day or a game to game basis, but he picks and chooses where to use that. And we needed every minute of that to beat them. Because to your point, the, the heat are 
they're such a weird team. I hate them. Like, I, I never want to play them in a playoff series again because they are not good at basketball right now, and they still almost gave us six games. Like, I I, I don't know. They, they're a terrifying team. Yeah. The, uh, the Zombie Heat is their nickname for a reason. Uh, so two things. I think at halftime, as he does, and we always say the longer a series go, the worse it gets matching up with Nikola Jokic because whatever you can throw at him, he's going to figure it out. And I think the adjustment he made at halftime and why you saw this game flip was he said, okay, you guys are not going to call anything. Fine. That means there's no way that Bam Adebayo can guard me. And you saw it in the third quarter. There were a few times, like you said, he was aggressive, and he just went at Heat players and said, I'm going to put you under the rim, and I'm not passing this ball out until there are three people around me. Like I'm not settling against the double. I'm not doing any of that. And the second thing was is that Bam played 44 minutes, um, and he was tired. You could tell it. Uh, we were talking about it in the second half. It was a lot of, hey, push the ball, push the ball. Bradley, um, our brother-in-law who's, who's had season tickets with us, he was like, you know, just, hey, get out, get out, get out. Because it was obvious in the third quarter. I mean, Kyle Lowry was the Heat's best player in this game five. And he, you, he is older. And he was tired. That's true. I, I sort of felt that way leaving the arena last night. <laughs> and then when I look at the box score, like, I don't think he actually was. I think Bam was just their best player. So the only the shots here's that the Kyle Lowry Bam. made, the only yeah. shots that Kyle Lowry made were threes. He was four for thirteen. Yeah, those are very key threes, and he committed. They were huge. roughly thirty fouls, and he, he had drew nine some rebounds. Nonsense fouls. He had nine rebounds. He had two steals. He had a block. Like he definitely affected the game. To your point, but I, I think Bam. I mean, honestly, like to hold Nikola Jokic at this point to that stat line should almost be lauded at this point. Like we should be giving Bam more credit for being decent defensively against Nikola because people don't do that to him anymore. Like he basically just gets what he wants. And obviously there's double teams and obviously there's a bunch of stuff there, but he was working really hard on both ends of the, the uh, floor, especially in that first half. I mean, he's the reason they were up in the first half. Yeah. And he's also, I mean, the reason they lost the game is they're not as good, but Bam had 16 at halftime and he had four in the whole second half. And you can tell he was worn down. And that is why um, among many narratives that I think died this playoffs around Nikola Jokic, um, I never, ever, ever want to hear anyone as a credible basketball voice say that Nikola Jokic is not in incredible shape because I watched him wear down Gobert I watched him wear down uh, Aiton. I watched him wear down AD. And Bam was just short on things in the second half. They were the same, a lot of the same shots he was getting in the first half, but he was just short and he was tired. And Jokic just keeps coming. He's going to sprint the floor every time. If he thinks that there's a shorter guy, he's always going to duck in and bang in there with you. And I think Jokic dissected the game and said, okay, my guys don't have it. That's fine. Let me get us back into a dog fight. And then as they have done over and over and over again in these playoffs, if you are in a close game with the Denver Nuggets and there's two minutes left, 
the Denver Nuggets are going to get great shots. They might not always go down, but you're just you're not going to out execute them. And you saw it. I mean, there were some really questionable possessions by the Heat, and some things where you could tell they were kind of forcing things, and you could tell they felt like the longer this game goes on, the more screwed we are. Like we need to land some home run shots here, and that cost them because the Nuggets just kept coming, kept executing all of those kind of things. Um, so, I think I, I do want to follow up. Uh, well, <clears throat> I guess I'll keep it on the game first, but I do have a follow up on that narrative point that I think is actually a, probably a bigger conversation. Um, <clears throat> but the last thing I'll say about the Heat is, I mean. <sighs> It's hard to know how much to blame the ankle for Jimmy's performance in these finals, but he was not good. No. And I mean, I he was not the player. He was not the player that we saw in that Celtics series. Like, I mean, I watched a lot of those games and he was so explosive and nobody could stay in front of him. And yes, like Aaron Gordon deserves some credit. Like he did an unbelievable job, obviously. Because <laughs> yeah. even even when Jimmy gets to that, like short corner jumper like that's automatic that's a layup for jimmy butler and he couldn't get there like he just couldn't get to those spots on the court so yes i i do think ag deserves a lot of credit but you can't have butler and caleb martin disappear in the way that you had them disappear in this series and it's not going to be the narrative because obviously they're not like as good right like Blaming Caleb Martin for losing the finals seems like sort of a ridiculous proposition, considering yeah. that they they literally lost a play in game. Yeah, uh, and he got cut from season. the Hornets. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is sort of a ridiculous thing. But given how he played in the last series, it is okay, in my opinion, to give him a little bit of this blame because he played terrible last night. I mean, he was. Yeah. I mean, his his body had his best. Minus, Best game his, probably, and he was 0 for 4 from 3, 4 for 9 from yeah. the field. Like, and his box plus minus is fine, but he did not look like he was impacting the game at all on no. either end. No. Um, the the other thing I wanted to say that, that you're, you kind of triggered in me was the obviously the biggest putback was the Bruce Brown putback. And then KCP, I have no idea how he made that 3. Uh, I mean, we thought he wasn't coming back in the game. Like, he stripped Bam after he asked for a sub. He kind of shook it out. He was like, okay, I'm fine. And then he slapped down, got a, got a strip down on Bam. It was heat ball. And you saw him be like, oh, my God, that hurt. And he was like, all right, come get me. And somehow he comes back in. And to hit that difficult three was unbelievable. But I thought it was interesting because I think sometimes – we get these narratives about players and Nikola Jokic is no different where it's now it's, it's a positive thing, but people sometimes get lost in it. They're like, Oh man, Jokic is just so goofy and deflects all the credit, all the things. And I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and doc rivers was on there. And doc said, um, a quote from Bill Russell that sounded exactly like what Nikola Jokic was saying. Nikola was saying, Hey man, you can't win. He said, maybe you can win a game with one player. He said, but you can't win a championship with one player. He said, everyone has to feel like they're part of it. Everyone has to be connected. Everyone has to be contributing. And Russell said, if only, if for me to be great, only I can be great. We're not going to do anything. If I can be great and I can let other people be great in their roles. Now we're unstoppable. 
And so I think sometimes that's where we don't give enough credit to some of the attitude and the mindset of Jokic where we pretend like it's this. And in today's world, it is kind of a new thing. But it's been how you win championships in basketball for a very long time. Like, Kobe was unbelievable, but he still needed Ron Artest to hit a corner three to overcome the Celtics. And when he was having his worst game of the finals, he was terrible in game seven. Um, you know, Steph Curry still needed Andre Iguodala. He still needs Draymond Green sometimes to get in people's face. You you have to be great in moments, but you have to give enough space and enough reps. And I think... Bruce said it in his post-game interview with NBA TV. He said, these guys have always told me, be myself, be aggressive. If you're open, shoot it. Like he's like that. And that's so much confidence that that gives you to where it's not a, you know, you're getting side eye or Jokic is coming over to you and being like, hey, man, I'm in the post. Like, you know, it's I think, none of that. I think, I think the thing that even separates it further, I love this point, by the way. I mean, fantastic. I, I think what separates Nicole even from those other great players who have won championships with these good role players and empowering those role players is that it's an active process for Nicola. Like a lot of those people just like it happens, right? Because they're unbelievable at basketball. They get their teammates involved. They're fun to play with because they're really good at basketball. Nicola is not doing it because he thinks it's going to like, he's just, he's actually doing it. Like he, he, it's a natural act for him. And it's not like, it's not because he's great. It's a reason that makes him great. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's how it's how he would play basketball. It's like the core tenet. It's the core tenet to his game. Whereas I don't think that that was the core tenet to Kobe's game. As much Certainly as he, <laughs> as much as as great as he was, and as involved as he got his teammates when they needed to be. Right, like he was a good. He he knew how to empower his teammates when they needed to be empowered. I don't think it's the same. I think Nicola is just he's he's the best basketball player on the planet. And he might be one of the better people in the NBA. Like if you wanted to be a teammate of anybody in the NBA, I don't think you get very far down the list before you get to his name. Yeah. No, I there, mean, Doc there are people that might it. be more fun, but there, there aren't going to be people that are better for your game. Yeah. No. And I think that's the balance of the locker room, right? Like it seems like if you want to go um, hang out with someone after work, listen, Aaron Gordon looks like a great time. The, the, I, I the think videos Porter. of him going through the the parade. Like I think Bruce Brown, I think KCP, I think Aaron Gordon, all those guys are the guys to go have a great time with. Right? And Jokic can do that. Obviously, we've seen him in Serbia. We've seen him at the Miami clubs uh after they won. I, I'm not saying he's a stiff or he's that, but you know, he's gonna come to work and he wants to go home and do his thing. Like, which is a great work-life balance. And I think I've made this point on this podcast. I don't think that gets talked about enough when we talk about players performing in pressure situations. I think a lot of times we think performing your best in a pressure situation is about like feeling all of the moment and it gives you superpowers. And I genuinely think that Nicola is telling the truth when he says, you know, it's great that we won, but they're, he's like, even though we won, I still think there are more important things than basketball. He's like, I still, he's like, I still want to have that balance and I still want to be with my family and I love doing horse racing and I love doing other things. 
And so when basketball is not your everything, it makes it easier to take the absolutely filthy step back that he took over Bam on a turnaround that put the Nuggets up four again, I believe, um, that was just dirty. And Bam, I talked to you about it after the game, right? And I said, Bam did as good of a job as I've seen someone do at predicting the move and jumping to it. And it's almost like Dirk back in the day where guys go, and Paul George said this on his podcast, he goes, you think you're going to get to a shot, and then all of a sudden you're just like, shit, we didn't get to it. <laughs> like, how did we not get to this man's shot? Uh, yeah. It's it's unreal. Um, but I think that that work-life balance with Jokic is something that young players have talked about, and they talk about it as having a routine, having a thing. But I think that, you know, Porter's talked about him teaching him things off the floor. Uh, Bones talked about it before he left. Um, Christian Braun talks about it. All these guys, when they're interviewed. And I think that's something that's cool. Like I think so many, so many of these young guys, they put all their worth into being a good basketball player. And it's like, you know what? This is your job, and you should want to do a good job at your job. But it's not – I mean, I love my job. I love doing this podcast. It's not everything, right? And that's just a healthy attitude to have throughout life. Um, so before we get too uh, philosophical, I did want to uh, talk about and shout out someone who I haven't heard get a shout oh, out. Oh, wait. This. Can we – can we go? Can we quickly talk about this narrative business? Because I've actually started to uh, get a little bit worried about this. I think we as Nuggets fans have sort of been taking a victory lap, which obviously well deserved, of like everybody in the basketball world having to admit now that one, we're the best team, and two, we probably have the best player in the world. Um, <clears throat> the I am fully prepared. October is a long way away. I am fully prepared for next season to start and all of the same shit to come up again, because I don't think they want, I, I don't think that the league is going to figure out how to make sure that Nikola Jokic is appreciated because he doesn't want to be appreciated. He doesn't give a shit. So I think it's really hard with the guy who you're trying to give all the credit to just doesn't care. Um, and I think it's it's easy for the Nuggets to fall out of this conversation, and I just am I'm pre preparing myself to be very upset. Uh, come, I'm going to say December when Perk is on first take saying that Jokic isn't even the best center in the league or some shit. Like I'm I'm ready for that to happen. Like uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a different thing, uh, and I think that. It's a never-ending narrative battle when you have a superstar like that. I'm sure Spurs fans felt this to a degree with Tim Duncan, where um, it's just Great. it's that hard to yeah. you know figure it out. And I think if you're a Nuggets fan, you can either be mad about it all the time, or you can yeah. just uh, go to the games, watch the games, watch the team, uh, and enjoy it because it's going to be awesome. But I did want to real quick. He is. I haven't heard him shouted out on any of the podcasts and any of the media I've been consuming. Um, and if he was, I you know forgive me, I missed it. Um, but I thought DeAndre Jordan played a sneaky important three minutes. Uh, Bam was killing Jeff Green in the post, um, where you know Bam has been kind of hesitant in that matchup and hasn't really used his physicality. Bam was definitely like he was like, okay, this is a a wrestling match down here. Jeff Green can't guard me in a wrestling match. And Jeff Green couldn't. 
And we brought in DeAndre Jordan, and he got a block. He got some deflections. Um, now, obviously, when the Heat responded by going small, and it was like, oh, there's no reason to have him out there now. But I thought that was so cool for a guy who has been lauded. Speaking of great guys and guys who have been lauded as unbelievable teammates, and you know, it's kind of turned into a joke, I think, of like, oh, DeAndre, he's just a great friend with KD. He's a great friend with this guy. That's why he gets all these teams. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe being a great guy and a great person on a team, I think he's sneaky important to this team. And we talked about him and Jeff Green's veteran leadership. But I thought it was cool that in the closeout game, DeAndre Jordan got to have a moment. And anyone who wants to talk stuff about him or wants to, you know, there were a lot of jokes when he was the very first player signed in free agency. Um, listen, he had his moment. And he, he went out there and I thought he stopped the bleeding. And he had a block. He had a huge made, block. Yeah, and at least made the Heat go away from Bam. Because right then, in a game that it was hard to get offense, Bam was doing what Jokic did in the second half. Where he was just like, well, Jeff Green, you're too small. I'm just going to go shoot layups, and that's going to be good offense. And no one else can make anything anywhere else, so we're going to extend this lead. And to be clear, this is when Jokic had picked up his third, so you couldn't go back to second. Jokic. Yeah, his second. Or, or yeah, Aaron second. Gordon oh. had three. That's yeah. why you couldn't have Gordon in there. <laughs> so yeah, so we were in we were in some trouble here, yeah. and I I couldn't agree more. And I I not to toot my own horn, but I did call it. I did just say I think you have to go to DeAndre here yeah. because you. And I looked down and I said his warm up is off. <laughs> um, uh, because so we I were just getting really murdered cool down low. So little moment I, I, that I yeah. I think is cooler for Nuggets fans who have gotten to see how he's been a part of this locker room and how he's uh, really been a leader for this team, um, despite not being a I on honestly floor think production. Um, this, and he's a guy who he started as our backup center. And he was playing be, 15, 20 minutes a game. And he could have pouted when that happened. And he didn't. He said, no problem, coach. No problem. This let me could, get let me get down here and I'll be coaching him up from over here. He did a great job. This could be uh I don't know, hangover takey a little bit. Um but I honestly think you could make an argument that he was the third most important player to our winning our championship. Like just in terms of like like obviously you have Nikola Jokic and then you have Jamal Murray. But just in terms of like guiding the team through the season and like through that stretch where we weren't playing very well and then through the playoffs like i think that glue guy is honestly incredibly underrated and i i don't know it's going to become more hard it's going to become harder to keep and justify those type of guys with the new collective bargaining agreement and i think it's going to hurt teams like the nuggets this year like i don't think we win this championship if we don't have deandre jordan KCP obviously for but for off the court reasons too yeah. right like th- no, those guys just him. had a very steadying presence on the team and yep. when when your superstar is not going to go into the huddle and say hey guys like I got this you need people like that who have gravitas in the locker room to say no we're fine like yep. you guys are fine like because Nicole is not going to do that yeah no um I I think Ishmith DeAndre. <laughs> Uh, Reggie Jackson, Jeff Green. Uh, I saw a great clip of Jeff Green breaking it down with Aaron Gordon of like, hey, man, they're guarding you like this. Do this. That That's there. It's wide open. 
yeah, man, I'm trying to get to that, but they're not letting me. They, they're found. Okay, don't look for the foul, man. Go there. You know, like, hey, you got it. Keep going. And you hear those moments. I think we're going to see a lot more guys where people make fun of you, Donis Haslam. Um, you know, it's like, oh, he's basically a coach at this point. Okay, great. He still makes more than he would as a coach. So I think if you are a guy who's coming to the end of his career and, you know, you have a lot of things to share and you're a good locker room guy and you don't care if you play a bunch, I think there are contending teams that you can go to, be an 11th or 12th man, and make a huge difference. And you're basically, like DeAndre was basically an assistant coach who got to wear a jersey. And um, he was an unbelievable assistant coach. He was one of our most important assistant coaches, and and he was great out there. The guy who I think was the third most important player on the team is Aaron Gordon. Um, I want to give him a shout-out, too. Um, This guy guarded Carl Anthony Towns, guarded Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Jimmy Butler. All and in Van Bio sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then yeah. Oh hey. And, uh, he's resting. Okay. Well, we're gonna put you on Booker then. We'll we'll yeah. get John Booker, or we'll get John Bam, or you know what? You can go guard Ant for a little bit too. Like, it was wild out there, man. Um, the amount of energy he put out there and unbelievable. It was obviously not his best game in Game Five, but Game Four was obviously the Aaron Gordon game. Uh, and his Ugh. defensive intensity. The uh, block he had on Kyle Lowry, where he just sent his stuff through the floor, uh, gave the place so much energy because I think everyone was realizing, like, God, Kyle Lowry is Kyle Lowrying the shit out of us right now. Like, he was grabbing Jokic, he was trying oh. to flop for everything. He was, he had one three in the corner where he just pump faked like 16 times, and Christian Braun did an unbelievable job of staying right in him. Stayed down, didn't foul him, and then he just made some, you know, three that he's been a 25% three-point shooter all season, but he was unbelievable. Uh, Aaron Gordon's athleticism, his, you talk about a locker room guy where he just genuinely seems so happy and he just wants to deflect um, credit, deflect uh, all that stuff to the other guys, and he's always talking about his teammates in there. I think if it's just one guy, it can get tiresome. Um, of just like, yeah, Jokic, we get it, man. Like, you don't care. It's about the team. We get it, man. Okay. Like, but when Aaron Gordon, the guy who, it's like, hey, man, I was the third overall pick. Hey, I, fourth, my, I think. Fourth, yeah. You're, you're right. You're right. Um, I, well, Orlando Magic teams weren't uh, ever like title contender relevant. I was, I made the playoffs, like, as the best player on the team. Like, I'm not sure you could find someone who both pedigree and beginning of NBA career is sacrificing more than Aaron Gordon. And for him to sit there, and I think it was before the, um, might have been before the finals, it might have been Lakers series, but he said, hey, we'll leave all that grinding to everybody else. He said, it's all grease over here. He said, we oh, love God, everybody what a great that you quote. work with. He said, when, it's, when all the guys are great guys, he said, I just have fun coming to work every day. Like, and so when there's no game where you – I can't think of a single time, even after bad losses or things, where Aaron Gordon goes, yeah, man, I mean, I think I could have gotten the ball more. I mean, I, they're arguing with someone 6'5", or, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think we got to – you know, we can't, can't have it all be Nicole and Jamal all the time. He was just like every time, relentless positive energy. And his athleticism and his strength, to your point, because – 
where Jimmy gets you is that Jimmy is unbelievably strong. And to your point, throughout these playoffs, Jimmy Butler and Nikola Jokic bullied their respective conferences. Uh, Jimmy bullied them to 12 feet out. Jokic bullied them under the basket. But both of them, they were just bullying people. And yeah. Aaron Gordon did not let them bully um, uh, him. And he was too strong, to your point. And I think that Jimmy, obviously, I, I don't know what the ankle said. Jimmy said it didn't affect him at all. He said they were just better. And I do think it's a really bad matchup for Jimmy because he's not he's not faster than Gordon and he's not stronger than him. So he's kind of just like, it, you saw it. They just had to try to get switches. <clears throat> and even then, Jamal's a really good post defender. Obviously, Jamal did a great job with the help from Jokic. Uh, it was the two-man well, game, uh, but on the defensive back end to, to cut him off. But Aaron go Gordon, Gordon, they were running from that matchup, is my yeah, point. I, Everyone ran from Aaron Gordon. They... Uh... They took, well, first of all, in terms of just understanding your role, because to your point, like he has been the best player on an okay team. Yeah. And it's, it's clear that he has more to give on the offensive end. And what you said about Bruce Brown, I think if you asked Aaron Gordon the same question, I think he would say the same thing about being aggressive. I think the team is telling AG, like, no, when you have that 6'5 guy on you, like go put his ass under the basket and dunk on him. Like they're not going to stop you. So just go do that. And he he found well, he didn't find that rhythm. He would do that at times during the regular season, but it it to your or to our point, I think we've said it during every podcast, like the the playoffs are just a different beast. And when you when the game slows down like this and you need to just go get a bucket, like you just need two points. I think having somebody like AG who understands his role and can just go get you a dunk, essentially, like that's so valuable. And to for him to sacrifice some of that offensive thing to just be like, oh, I'll just stop whoever. Like he did an unbelievable job on all of those people. Obviously, KD gave him work, but KD gives everybody work. Like you're just never going to stop those players. And he did in some games, which is, I mean, yeah, he. I can't believe that we have that core together. I mean, yeah. honestly, just those three players and like you put pretty much anybody around them, and I feel pretty confident that we're going to be a competitive basketball team because they all understand their role and they fit unbelievably well together. And I'm so happy for AG. Like, I think to your point, like he seems really happy in his role where he's like, I don't really want the pressure of being like the number one guy, like. And I, and I want to win a championship. Like at a certain point, I think every NBA player gets to a point where they're like, okay, I, I am not a one a tier guy. I am not going to be able to win a championship if I'm the best player on the team because everybody else in the league is just too good. And I think AG probably came to some sort of realization like that. And now he gets to just thrive in this role that, um, he's sort of carved out for himself, which is very exciting. Yeah. And I think this is why the, which has become part of our take culture and it's so harmful is people try to examine people's psyche and people would say things like Aaron Gordon's not a winning player. You know I mean? He, he's just trying to play. I so like that. And I'm like, well, he was playing with crappy players. So that was their best. His team was terrible. But he clearly didn't enjoy that compared to you. Look at a guy like Jeremy Grant, who played the exact same role here 
Got a crap ton of easy looks playing with Jamal and Joker in the bubble. Got a crap ton of dunks and played unbelievable defense. He decided, he said, I'm going to go sign with the Pistons because I want the chance to be the guy. And it doesn't matter to me that we are going to be in the lottery. It doesn't matter to me that we are, best case scenario, going to be a fringe playoff team and that I'll never have a meaningful playoff moment. That doesn't matter to me. I want to be the guy. And so to your point of like, yes, I think the light turns on for some people. And I also think there's people who it never turns on for. And the most the light turned on for Jeremy them, Grant after Detroit, though. <laughs> huh? The light turned on for Jeremy Grant after Detroit. I'm not sure it did. Yeah, I mean, he went to Portland. He's not the best player on that team. He knows it. No, he got traded there, but he, he refused to trade to the Lakers. Which thank yeah, you, by the I, way. But uh <laughs> well, yeah, seriously. Um, oh my but, god. I mean, Portland's a fringe contender, right? And you're with Lillard there. I mean, I don't think he probably saw Simons going, but like there are some nights where you can get a lot of shots up. You're still gonna get more shots up on Portland than you would have with this Nuggets. Yeah, game. yeah. Yeah. Other guy I want to highlight uh real quick is um Michael Porter Jr. Uh game four. Uh, I think you saw the light turn on where he was like, all right, dude, I can't make a three for some reason. This is the first time in my life, probably, that I've been healthy, that I just can't make a three. Like, even when Michael's back was messed up and he wasn't athletic, he still used to always make an open three. Like, yeah. so I think that was a moment. To your point, the playoffs do that to you. They put you in positions where you're like, dude, I've always been able to do this thing. And now I can't do this thing. And in game four, he was cutting. He was rebounding. I mean, he almost had a double-double in the first half in game five. Yeah. Um, he had 16 points and 13 rebounds in this game. He was unbelievable. And he used his size here. And some of those runners, some of that stuff he made, uh, I just wanted – he obviously – he made, he was pushing hard in transition down the middle. He kicked out to that corner three that was huge to tie the game uh, to Murray uh, and forced a timeout from Spo. I thought he was so aggressive. And to your point, he kind of simplified the game for himself. He said, you know what? For me to impact this game, it doesn't require me to make any threes. He's like, I am being guarded by someone smaller all the time. I am going to go towards the basket. And his handle and his decision-making have come so far that we talked about it in the stands um, even before he had the unbelievable between the legs up, you know, oh under on the glass, God. which was dirty. But just his, especially with how the Heat were playing, they were out there. They are the king of taking charges, of getting you to pick up a stupid offensive foul. If you're a little out of control, they're going to jump in front of you and then fall down. Like, they're the king of that. And he didn't pick up any of those stupid fouls and got us great looks and was, for game five, really, our second best facilitator. Jamal Murray yep. did not have a great facilitating game. He ended up with eight assists. He had, But Porter got us, put more pressure on the Heat on a consistent basis in game five. And I think he deserves all the credit in the world. Everyone's talked about the back surgeries, all that stuff. But I just wanted to highlight his growth as a player to be able to say, this is how I affect this, and this is what I'm going to do. And he was 
unreal in this game. Um, obviously, Spo figured it out eventually, where he was like, hey, getting Jimmy switched on to you is a bad thing. Getting Bam switched on to you is also not a good thing for us. It's We've just got to run you off of a bunch of curl screens um, because, you know, your your quickness to come around those with Struess and those guys was why we had to bring yeah. in Bruce to close. Um, and, and we'll get to him next. But I wanted to give Michael Porter Jr.'s flowers, Ryan. What, what's been kind of your evolution uh, with him uh, and and him being a part of this core? Obviously, the youngest part of the core. Aaron Gordon's uh, 27, Jokic 28. Murray, I believe, is 28, and Porter's 24. Um, yeah. So what's kind of been think, your, your evolution there? <laughs> well, um, I when he first got drafted, I was calling him my son, and I wanted to make a Porter senior jersey. Uh, he was probably my favorite nugget. I just loved his irrational confidence. Like, I mean, the guy basically didn't play in college and was like, I think I could shoot 50% from three. God, I love this guy. Why? Why do you think that? Um, and then, uh, you know, the back surgeries, obviously, it just started to get really worrying to me in terms of health. Yep. Uh, and it's never been his game. Like, I've always just loved watching the guy play basketball. He is so fluid. Like, his jump shot is beautiful. It is a work of art. Like, uh, yeah, so it, all the defensive stuff aside, like he's gotten much better on that end. Him and Jokic have sort of like both gotten a lot better on that end almost simultaneously, which is sort of weird. It seems like it's been in the last year and a half that they've really improved. Um, and I think uh, the rebounding is the thing that sticks out to me now. And that's and that to me is sustainable because he's almost seven feet tall. He's always so, going to be 6'10". <laughs> He's yeah, and he's always going to have a smaller guy on him. Like because we play Eric Gordon and Nikola Jokic, he's never going to have a six nine six ten guy on him. So like if he's if he's willing to crash the boards, he's going to pick up thirteen rebounds a game. Like he might average a double double. That's not out of the realm of possibility for him. So he he would have to steal a lot of Nikola rebounds, which we'll see if uh, that happens. But I think. Uh, yeah, the the ceiling is still so high for him. Like, I think he of the Nuggets in this offseason, he has the most to gain. I think he has the most to add to his game. I think he it's his first real offseason of being healthy. Like, there were COVID years, there were shortened years. He had surgery. He had he wasn't. Then he had the heel thing. Like, he's sort of he is hasn't been able to just go into the gym in the summer and be like. I'm going to just try to get really good again. Like I'm going to try to get better at these three things. And, and I mean, to your point about his handle, that's something that he improved in the shortened off season. Like that got so much better between the bubble. I mean, he would, he, you couldn't, he, every time he put the ball on the floor, it was like Jalen Brown out there. Like you just did not want him to dribble. So I think, you know, I, he played in unbelievable playoffs. He did exactly what we needed him to do in big spots. And I think he can get a lot better. Yeah, that's that. That is the scary part. Uh, I was also, I checked it while you were talking. Jamal Murray's only 26 years old. That's unbelievable, yeah. man. Uh, Jokic is the oldest of our core. <laughs> and he's not 30. Yeah, no, he's 28. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't give uh, these, I'll, I'll group them together as three. 
um, for, for time constraints. Cause I want to get into the big picture, um, like team construction, that stuff. But, uh, I'm going to call them the, uh, the three, three and D's, uh, of Christian Braun, KCP and Bruce Brown. Um, and obviously Christian Braun played 24 minutes in a <laughs> Brown played 24 minutes in a closeout NBA finals game. Uh, yeah. Bruce Brown came up with the biggest offensive rebound of the night and put the Nuggets ahead. And Pope got the steal, knocked down two clutch free throws. Brown knocked down two. Uh, Bruce Brown knocked down two closeout free throws. Uh, KCP got the rebound. He hit the huge three we've talked about. What is it about these guys' skill sets? Because to your point, it's going to be, I think, Bruce Brown said the right things in the locker room, but I think that's euphoria. Uh, after <laughs> didn't a, he a, say? He said, they he catch said money's him on a not everything. Bike. I want to be back. Uh, well, didn't, I think he, when, didn't they catch him on a hot bike saying, I'm going to get a bag? <laughs> no, Aaron Gordon said it for him. He said, oh, the good. guy asked him, he said, oh, KCP said, you guys are going to golf a lot together. You guys are going to, he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to drink a lot of whiskey ginger. So I'm going to be out here. He was, and Aaron Gordon was like, man, he's about to get a bag. Stop lying. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, you know what, it, it, if he comes back, that's great. But there's obviously, he's a Nuggets legend. If no he matter comes what. back, if he comes back, it is, that is the rest of the Western Conference should just play for second. Yeah. Like, if he – that is – that's not fair. The The league might have to do something about that if he comes back. But anyways, continue. They're gonna that's, like, I don't think that's happening. So. They said, Kroenke, uh, you can't give the players equity in Premier League. <laughs> uh, you can't make Bruce Brown part owner of Arsenal. That can't be part of his contract. Uh, but – those three guys, I think they were the perfect mixture of accepting roles but having confidence. And I think this is a good way to lead into the bigger picture thing. I think everyone wants to talk about playing beautiful basketball and talking about sharing the ball and everyone you know, having equity in the team and, and feeling like they're a part of something. That means that sometimes you're going to have Christian Brown brick threes in the corner. That are good threes, but there were moments where he was unplayable versus the Suns because they weren't guarding him. There are moments where he was unplayable versus the Lakers because he wasn't aggressive. And he fought through all of those, and they still had that belief in him. And, you know, they weren't stepping on the stars, but they weren't scared of the moment, right? Like, KCP was huge in the first quarter when no one could get anything to go in. He made some 15-footers, some things. And then also, um, I mean... He was huge. That three-pointer that he took to really, you know, put some distance between the Nuggets and and the Heat uh, was that's a, a shot that you can't take unless you have reps of taking that shot. So people want to look at the playoffs and s- pretend like this was, and I think it's been kind of as a narrative overstated because people don't want to just admit, hey, we were really wrong about this. But these seeds were planted for these guys and how to do this throughout the season. When we would let Bruce Brown play point guard, and there were some ugly moments with it. 
there were some moments where it looked like, yeah, we're just confused out there. We're not really running anything. He, which, you know, he hadn't run a team in a long time. He hadn't used those, those muscles and he had to get those reps in. And there were some games where people would go, ah, KCP took too many stupid threes or whatever. Well, you want him to be able to take threes. Ah, I don't know if we can play Christian Braun in these minutes. He looks too big for him. Well, he, he didn't look too big for him last night. Um, no. And so just some huge, huge moments for those guys. And so I guess talk about them, Ryan, but also talk about them in that bigger context of kind of how to empower your other role players to feel like they can be to use the Bill Russell quote, great in their role again. Yeah, I mean, they they fit perfectly in this team. They're all pluses on the defensive end. They can shoot the ball. They're unbelievable cutters. Like, I think one thing that uh, is obvious about playing with Nikola Jokic, but you sort of have to move off the ball. Like, he wants you in spots so that he doesn't have to be looking at you to throw you the ball. When they're like, you'll notice on the court, they stand in the exact same spot because Nicola knows that somebody's going to be there so he doesn't have to look. So, I think um, they they fit perfectly. To, to the KCP point, I'll start with him because I love him. I think he is, he was an unbelievable pickup. He has championship pedigree. I think he, yes, he is the most. And this is crazy considering Michael Porter Jr. is on the team, but that is a testament to his growth probably. But KCP is the most heat-checky player on the on the Nuggets. And I think, you know, sometimes those shots are frustrating. But it is what you live with. Like, he's doing, he's doing things on the defensive end where you sort of just live with that on the offensive end. So, and I think he's, he, yeah, I, I love his... Uh, his leadership there um, on the, on the court as well. I think Bruce Brown, I, I don't think we could potentially say enough about him. Uh, he is so aggressive with that second unit. And that's something that that second unit was lacking. And I think whatever clicked for him to be like, Oh, I can just make this sort of my own team. Like it actually doesn't even matter if Jamal's out here. Like he'll, he'll let me cook too. Like I can just take my guy off the dribble. Like, so I think it, once he figured that out, I mean, that's really when we started looking unstoppable is when he was running that second unit like he was. And uh, yeah, so can't say enough of the good things about him. CB, man, like, I, I mean, obviously we both think that we're losing Bruce Brown. Uh, but when you've got another Brown on the team that does very similar things, and is a rookie and on a rookie contract that starts to look pretty appealing. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, it, it's the, the Christian Brown piece of things is all upside. Like the fact that that guy can play 24 minutes in the game five of the finals and not look overwhelmed and have big moments in that. And then he was going nuts on that uh, uh, playoff for the stanchion, whatever yeah, thing the they stage, set up to yeah. go. Yeah. Oh my God. When he hopped up there and started waving his towel around, I mean, that's like, he's what, 21? Like that kid is having the time of his life. So I, uh, yeah, I am very happy for all three of them. KCP, especially. I think, you know, it, it didn't seem like he was necessarily having the most fun on the Lakers when he won that title. Uh, 
But I think he had a lot of fun on this team. And uh, To your point, I think that the other part about that gets underrated with both Steph Curry and Nikola Jokic, who we've kind of compared their leadership styles throughout this, this run, is that they will let you be fully you because they're not taking up so much of the locker room with their presence. And I think LeBron, while he's not like a you know, cuss you out, you know, whatever kind of guy. He takes up a lot of space with his personality. And I think, you know, when you're KCP and you could see him in the huddles right in there, you could see DJ in the huddles. You can see all those guys. And they talk, he talked about it in his post-game interview on NBA TV. He said, you know what, coach lets everybody say their opinion. He's like, whether it's offense, defense, what we should be doing, he said, Everyone has a voice on this team. And so for me, that's just a healthy work environment in general of whether you're the most important worker or the least important worker. You want to feel like you have some equity and some say in your job. And it feels like everyone on this Nuggets team felt like they could come in there and talk to anybody about what they were seeing on the floor and guys were going to... you know, listen to them. There was a cool moment where uh, the Nuggets head of scouting was uh, clearly losing his mind um, because he was in the background of the live end of season recording of Low Post and Brian Windhorst. And he was just talking to them. And then he just goes, hey, you guys want to talk to Colin? And he just forces Colin Gillespie to come over and talk to him while Colin is smoking a cigar on the court in Ball Arena. And they, Windhorst, I'm sure he had you know, sources about it. Uh, but I guess after game two, everyone had to go through and they had got a play and they had to say what was wrong here with this play. And that includes mm. Colin Gillespie. <laughs> and so Windors, I think somewhat playfully, was trying to get him to tell who he had to call out for his play. <laughs> He's like, did you have to call out Jokic? He's like, Murray. <laughs> and that, the point is, though, like Colin Gillespie has enough of a voice Didn't play that a Malone felt like, hey, I can give you a play and people are going to listen to you. And if you're right in what you're saying, everyone in this locker room is just going to listen to you. And yeah. I think that that's a cool thing that, to your point, I think makes it more fun and more meaningful for KCP where he's like, oh, I'm a leader on this team. Like, yeah. whereas before I was just a follower of LeBron. You know, I, yeah. I, they just tell me where to be. I'm going to play my good defense. And by the way, as beautiful as it is to watch Nikola Jokic play offense, if you want to have a great time when the Nuggets are playing defense, just watch KCP. Yeah. The screens he gets through. There was one time the Heat were genuinely, you could see them getting pissed because they were like, we're just trying to get into the first part of our offense and this asshole won't let us catch the ball on the wing and just get this switch. Like, he won't let us do it. He's so close to the Struces, the Duncan Robinson, you know, Jimmy when he got switched on him, all those guys, and it was unbelievable. Um, Yeah, he had a big couple possessions on Jimmy. Yes, uh, yes. That were yeah. unbelievable. Nuggets are our NBA champions, Ryan. Um, first question. Now, I think we're going to get into some of the big picture questions. Um, 
they asked the players this, and I think it's fair to ask us this as as hosts. When did you think, hey, we're going to win the title? Not like, oh, we have a chance. I think all of us at the beginning of the seasons and after we saw Jamal starting to look better in certain games, we were like, hey, we, we're one of the four teams that can win a championship, which is really all you can ask for at the, in the early parts of the season because then, you know, injuries, all that stuff comes into it. But when were you like, hey, we're going to win the NBA championship? Because I feel like you were even earlier than uh, than a lot of people here. Yeah, I'm trying to – I'm just scrolling through the schedule really quick. I might be able to give you an actual game where I felt like we were going to win the championship. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, I think it's somewhere around Christmas time. Uh. I mean, we beat the Suns in overtime on Christmas Day, obviously. Yeah, bang up uh, Suns team. Yeah, it was. A, it wasn't a great, but that stretch after that game, we played the Kings twice and beat the Kings the first game, and then lost by one, devastating fashion in the second. But that was a back to back after playing the Suns, <laughs> and then we go into Miami and beat the Heat. And then we beat the brakes off of the Celtics on uh, New Year's Day. And I think after that game, I felt like that we're this, this is the closest we may ever get. Uh, and I, I don't know if I would have said at that point I was sure we were going to win the title, but I felt that we had as good of a chance as anybody at that point, which yeah, I would, the I would odds were this, certainly not saying that. Yeah, the Celtics game was a big moment for me as well, because traditionally that's – if you could build a team that was built to give us problems, it's the Celtics, right? And regular season, you know, there's – but the Celtics were rested that game, um, you know, it wasn't them off a of back-to-back. It wasn't them resting guys. It was they played all their guys. It was they came in there, and we just beat the brakes off of them. And I think the Philly game, where it was the first time we saw the put a small, let him foul the hell out of Jokic, and uh, then um, you know double with your big that caught us off guard kind of in that game. I think that's the only marquee game where you could say, hey, the Nuggets were rested. The other good team was rested. They came into there. Where I was like, ah, the Nuggets kind of blew that one. Every other time during the regular season, when the Nuggets got up for a game, they not only beat teams, they beat the hell out of teams. I mean, they were they beat the hell out of the Clippers at home, and then went and beat them in LA and beat them at home again, which is so hard to do when a team is embarrassed like that on national TV. We beat the hell out of the Grizzlies twice at home, yeah. once to basically <laughs> clinch the one seed. Um, you know, the, those things were there for me, I would say it was game five sons because, you know, I wasn't as nervous as every, you know, as all the Nuggets fans on Twitter, but it was definitely like, Jesus, I mean, if they're going to never miss a shot again, that seems hard to defend, um, with Devin Booger. And when the team came out after KCP said, we're getting out of this series. It's no problem. We're getting out of this series. And then the Nuggets went on to just beat the unholy hell out of the Suns twice in a row. I was like, you know what? 
throughout a seven-game series, I just think we wear you down. And you may have one or two unbelievable games, or you know, you may have something like that, but there's no way that you're gonna, you know, do this. So that that's my answer. To that I mean, my question honestly, now like, is: Were you ever really that nervous during the playoffs, though? Oh, like, every every it, day. I I think I have an all. Well, I mean, currently. yeah, I think. <laughs> I mean, yes. There's like there's like the nervousness of being a fan, but then there's also like the the knowing basketball in your head of being like, okay, actually they don't have any answers for us. Like I felt sort of that way in every series. No, it was, it was every series you go, Hey, we have a definite advantage here. It's, you know, kind of connecting it with our other discussion of everyone having equity, everyone being involved. It's, it was different, right? Like, Aaron Gordon had a huge mismatch this series. Against the Lakers, he was getting benched. Yeah. And it didn't affect his confidence. It didn't affect how he was. He he was great out there. Uh, Christian Brown closed this series on a heater. He was getting DNP'd. We played seven guys in game four against the Lakers. We were like, yeah, no, no, thank you. <laughs> we, we've seen yeah. enough of that, Rook. Uh, have a good one. Um, the... So we had mismatches, and to your point, we had problems on paper for teams, but you never know how guys are going to respond in big moments, right? And I always said it was always frustrating as a Nuggets fan to watch, um, you know, kind of role players have moments for other teams in series where they just kind of lost their mind. And I was like, man, when are we going to have role players just lose their effing mind like for, you know, two weeks and make it so we win a series? And we just had those moments game to game. I think, you know, with the Lakers and with those teams, people talked about, oh, it's a different guy. It's a different guy. It was a different guy for the Nuggets too. Like KCP was unbelievable scoring-wise against the Lakers and was not as good against the Heat because the matchup wasn't as good for him. Um, but he still played at a high level of defense. He still felt very connected. He still did a lot of great things. Um, favorite moment of the season, Ryan. It, it doesn't have mm. to be, uh, you know, it can be a small moment within a game. It can be a, a small thing there. What What's your favorite favorite moment from this season that you'll say, hey, I, I really, really loved this moment. This one I knew. I, I really loved this team. Uh, when Aaron Gordon put his ball sack on Landry Shamit's forehead on Christmas Day. <laughs> that, uh, that was a great moment. And if I could tie a moment to it, I would say... You don't want to let that just Jokic sit there. saying, I mean, I was open. <laughs> Jokic yeah. watching this incredible feat of athleticism. And he goes... I mean, he, I was open, brother. <laughs> uh, yeah. is, is objectively so, so funny. Um, for me, nothing will beat uh, Jamal Murray games uh, at home. Mm. And so uh, I would say Game 2 Lakers was probably uh, one of my favorite moments um, because that's a game that we probably lose uh, throughout our Nuggets history. And that was a moment where it felt like, hey, man, like Jamal Murray is not scared of anybody out there. And he yeah. was out there giving them the business. 
And between game two and game three, I forget the exact numbers, like 53 points or something. He scored in three quarters. It was uh, absolutely stupid. And so that, that for me, I'm going to say is the moment. Um, I did just, there's nothing like being in ball arena when Murray starts losing his mind. Because when Murray fully loses his mind, part of it is playing to the crowd. And I think people yeah. were, I saw some Nuggets fans being, being confused on Twitter last night where they were like, did Murray do the arrow thing? They cut away. No, no, no. Murray's such a showman. He hit two threes and he started doing it to set it up because he wanted to hit the dagger and then pull the arrow out and send their little selves home. He did home. the like calm down afterwards. Oh, he, Murray he, like pulled it and then went to oh, wait. It was, to make yeah. a three to end the heat season and stand on center court and do it. That's the yeah. kind of like, those are the kind of stories you hear about Bird, about Jordan, about that, where it's not just like enough to beat you and to play well and to score. It's the showmanship aspect of it that for all the praise that we give Jokic for his just kind of steadiness and all of that, Murray is just fun as hell. And I'm yeah. so glad to have him back in our lives. And it's wild that I said that he had a bad game. And he did by Jamal Murray's standards. But he shot 40% from the field. <laughs> he had uh, 14 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists. He almost had a triple-double. <laughs> he had 6 turnovers, and some of them were a little baffling uh, for him. But, Oof. I mean, like that's the floor for that guy. For me to be like, ah, not a very good Murray game. Like people, you know, yeah. game four, even people were like, ah, kind of not a great Murray game. It's like he had 23 and 10. Like it was like he had yeah. a pretty good game. Like yeah. he didn't lose his mind, but that's kind of the, you know, the, the floor that he set for himself. And so that, that to me was, you know, we didn't have a lot of demons with this Miami Heat team. Pretty much all of my demons were with the Lakers. And so. Yeah. It was like watching a hero rise up and like Robin Hood and, you know, slay the big bad empire that has all the resources, all the advantages, all that. And he's just out there and he's like, I don't care. I've been out in the woods practicing how to shoot this bow and arrow and I'm about to shoot this thing. Well, it's it's sort of like in a video game when you have like the big boss and you get through the big boss and then there's like the animation and then there's like one last little final thing you have to do. And it's not that hard or difficult, but you still have to do it to beat the game. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of how I feel like we, we felt going from Lakers to the heat. It was like, Oh, we beat the big boss. So like now, like this will be hard, but like, I know yeah. I might, you know, we might die once we might lose a game, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, this team felt inevitable, and and I think I think to your point, like the I, I keep going back to the question about when did I know that the, or when did I feel like the team could win the championship? And I think the thing that is going to stick with me about this team is that we sort of looked like this all year. Like there was not really a uh, scenario in which we. It, this felt inevitable, I guess is just the way to say it. Like this was just what we were going to be the whole time. And somebody was going to have to take it from us and they were going to have to have an unbelievable um, 
an unbelievable game to do it and an unbelievable four games to do it. Like, yeah. So I think, uh, the, the people that deserve the credit uh, that we haven't talked about, I mean, Michael Malone obviously deserves a ton of credit for, I mean, the, uh, even even to do what he did against Spo, even with the talent advantage he had, is impressive. Uh, and then the other person that I'd like to give props to is Calvin Booth. Uh, that this the the team is, has continuity, which everybody has been talking about in the media, and it's like, oh, is this the new trend in the NBA? Do you need continuity? We had continuity with stars, but KCP's new. Uh, Bruce Brown is new. DeAndre Jordan's new. Christian Brown is new. Uh, like this team was built and, you know, we drafted well, but then Calvin Booth identified some unbelievable talent to put around Jokic and it all meshed perfectly. And Michael Malone did an un- unbelievable job making that happen throughout the season. And I can't believe that. We won an NBA championship. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, on the Michael Malone thing, uh, you're you're 100% right. He deserves so many flowers. And it's a it's been said on a lot of podcasts and a lot of places, like, this is, you know, the Nuggets could have absolutely fired Malone after they got cooked by Nurkic uh, late in the season to knock him out of the playoffs, after they lost on the road in Minnesota, after... We flamed out the past two years. I don't think any reasonable Nuggets fan. I mean, I think we overachieved the first year. I think the playoff series, if he was going to get fired after a playoff series, it would have been the Portland in seven, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have been there too. But I think the patience there and he grew. He he absolutely grew into the place where he was in game five. It was a master class. When Gordon got in foul trouble, he went to Porter again really quick. He said, Porter's playing aggressive. Porter's playing great. I want to go right back to him. And then he said, we need Bruce Brown to close this game. And so he, on the one hand, showed so much confidence in Porter to bring him in early off of his rest, something he hasn't done. Porter played tons of first half minutes with foul trouble um, because we needed his size out there. And then to be able to say, all right, the Heat have figured something out because, you know, we we need another guy who's switchable, who's really quick uh, to get around these screens out there. The only way they're going to win this game is if they can get loose off threes. And, man, like, he he, it was a master class. Like I said, him and Spo were both so good at, like, the moment a team would get a little rhythm on offense, they'd both just, nope, burn it. Like it was a masterclass watching those two kind of control the flow of the game. Um, obviously, Malone's challenge was correct, and he should have been one for oh one. My God. And uh, I mean, even Wayne Horse, <sighs> who was about as anti, you know, giving the Nuggets credit, he said, "I think the NBA is breathing a sigh of relief that the Nuggets won this game." He said, "Because I don't see any way with the way that game was being officiated, and they were letting hand to hand combat go in that fourth quarter." that you can look at that Butler play and say that's a three-point foul. He's like, the NBA Uh, is quietly rejoicing that the Nuggets won this game. 
honestly, though, credit to Jimmy Butler for all the crap I talked about him earlier in the podcast. He did hit all of those free throws. And, he, <laughs> and especially after the first two he took in the game were hideous, and he missed both. Oh, they were terrible. Like, I was like, yeah. man, that shot might be broke. But when it was winning time, he he played well. Um, all right. Oh, uh, last thing on Mike Malone. Uh, it, there's been a lot of owning of national media, but maybe nothing made me more happy than freezing cold takes, uh, going back and finding James Miralat's tweets of saying, uh, when we uh, look back on this five years and the Nuggets don't have a championship, uh, we'll, it'll be because Mike Malone was the head coach and did the hashtag <laughs> uh, Teflon Mike. So it was great to see small town Skip Bayless. Uh, get caught up in the uh, in the crossfire there. What an idiot that guy is. Um, so love to see that. Great job, Mike Malone. Also, the other thing that I wanted to give credit to is Mike Malone gives his assistants a lot of space to be great. Like the Nuggets are all talking about how great Adelman was. Murray was joking around about Adelman getting hired as a head coach, and he was like, "Don't do it. He's an idiot." He's like, "He's he's very disrespectful." <laughs> he was like, "Don't hire him." Um, and you know, not only that, but um, he he's had a lot of good assistants come through here, and I think he gives people space to bring their knowledge in, and it's not just like, "Well, no, we're gonna do this." Like. He'll he's gonna make the final decision, but he hears a lot of people, and I think he he doesn't get enough credit for that um, as a coach. He he's great at that. Um, also, he was unbelievable at the stage. I was like, mm. all right, we got done with creepy Stan Kroenke whispering. Uh, I was like, because it was such a weird thing because the fans were booing Lisa Salters because she said she didn't watch us. Uh, and then Kroenke, the fans were like, they weren't out and out booing him, but they also weren't stopping the booing for him. So it was like a weird start to a celebration. But then Malone got in there and it was like, oh, it's time to party now, baby. <laughs> like he was awesome. And uh, so that that's all I had, Ryan. I, I'm thrilled. I'm so happy. Um, the Denver Nuggets are champions. I don't have a voice. I probably won't be able to talk normally the rest of the week. And it was all worth it. Um, any, anything for you, Ryan? Anything for you, producer Dan? Uh, you were at the game as well. Um, the whole pod was there. Um, so any, any other final points about this team? Dana, just happy to be here. The, I, my final point would be, can we extend Nikola Jokic's contract right now? Uh, can we just give him, can we give him like a Pat Mahomes 10 year, $250 million or $350 million deal and just do it before the TV contract goes up, goes into effect <laughs> so that we can keep him at a relatively low number and he, he'll he be fine with it. He doesn't care. Uh, so, yeah, that, those are the sort of sh- trickeries that I'm going to be looking into this offseason. So, okay. Calvin, if you need any help, let me know. Yeah, Let, let us know here. Uh, thank you for listening to the Blues for Brothers. Uh, we had our highest, highest listened to episode the na- last episode, so it's been really fun for everyone being along for the ride and it's been thrilling um we're gonna keep going as we get into this off season uh football season uh otas all that's around the corner we'll we'll have you guys ready with broncos talk with uh nfl betting advice let to um, the france yeah well the, the the business never stops here so thank you for joining us for this we hope you'll stay along for us uh like and subscribe to the podcast and go nuggets Go NBA champion, Nuggets. Bye.